What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. It is a busy, busy January. We just wrapped up with CES, and then Apple's like, hey, we're going to drop a bunch of products on you. And so last episode, we talked with Ray Wong from Inverse about the new MacBook Pros, the new Mac Mini, the HomePod. My reviews are still coming for all of those. I do have my M2 Max MacBook Pro review up. We got unboxings of the MacBook Pro and the Mac Mini, uh, Mac Mini and HomePod to be coming soon. So stick around, go check that out on the YouTube channel. But this week, I thought we'd maybe shift directions a little bit because there's been a whole lot of buzz happening around the Apple Reality Pro headset. So Mark Gurman from Bloomberg, who's been getting all the scoops, all the deep dives, all the details, is going to join me on this podcast and we're going to talk all about it and what the future direction of Apple is and so many tidbits and details that you may or may not know that we talk about. Now, before we get to that, we got to give a big thanks to our supporters who make this podcast happen. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support all of my content, but this show is brought to you by you. It starts at $2 per month, $5, which is like a cup of coffee, $10, the $25 or the $100 Platinum Apple level. You get early access to my content, rewards at different levels, a completely ad-free version of the show. And we will be having a live stream coming up, uh, not this week when you hear this, but next week for all the Patreons exclusive to you where we just hang out and talk about all the news and really just talk about everything we want to talk about and hang out. So it's a really cool, fun experience and with the community. And I thank you all for being a part of it. So patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support the show. Also, we want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. We got plenty of content, but you know, I'm going to kick kick you guys and gals in the butts because I really like having calls, but maybe sometimes you guys don't feel like calling, but I don't care. If you feel like calling, all you got to do is record a voice memo, send it into applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z, your name, where you're from. I don't want to hear from you. Whatever you want to talk about, reviews, news, rumors, corrections of things that I said wrong, call in, record that voice memo, and I will include it in the show. All right, let's just get right into it. You want to know everything there is to know about the Apple Reality Pro headset? Let's go. Okay, everybody, it is getting spicy around Apple's AR VR headset. Uh, Mark German has been all over it, so Mark is here to talk about, hey, Mark, thanks so much for coming out, bro. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Uh, I saw your little bit on the uh, Apple mini event for the new laptops. That was funny. Oh, you 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 approve? Uh, approve? Sure, but I don't know. <laughs> but I uh, I don't think it's up to me to approve or not. No, uh, no, it no. Looks cool, and I'm happy for you. Oh, thank thanks so much, man. No, I appreciate it. Um, you know, you have been doing, you know, consistently for years and tirelessly, just really incredible work around the Apple rumor mill. I mean, I feel like quite honestly, since uh, at least at least as far back as like the fall, you, you've been hitting hard and, and Apple's been you know ramping up with a lot of new products. And so you just dropped a whole lot of information around the AR VR headset. We know that the MacBooks and the Mac mini and the HomePods are out, but I kind of wanted at least for this show change directions because you have just so much to talk about. So I kind of want to throw, throw it up to you. We've seen so much talk around the Apple Air VR headset. And the, recently, you just kind of revealed how Apple is approaching this, um, maybe in a little different way. So I'd love for you to kind of talk about uh, some of your findings, and I'll ask you a few questions about it. 
Yeah, so the Apple headset's going to be a really big deal for the tech-focused crowd. I think it's going to take some time for the device to really take off. Uh, but in terms of the technology that they're jamming into the product, I think it is going to be uh, pretty impressive. You know, some of the things I've written about include high-resolution 4K uh, displays for VR. You're going to have a digital crown dial on the top that you can flick between AR and VR modes. Mm. The VR uh, landscape right now, you know, is mostly populated by pa camera pass-through. So you'll be able to create sort of this fake VR effect uh, using camera pass-through. And so that device will have that as well. Uh, the processors will be on par with a, a MacBook Pro mm. using a version of the M2 chip. You'll also have a reality processor in there, a secondary chip, to do a lot of the uh, AR, VR uh, functionality and some of the graphics. And then the other features that I've written about are a core function around FaceTime. So using external cameras and internal cameras to be able to see your eyes and your facial expressions, but also what your body looks like, your, your upper body, your face, your legs, to recreate you in virtual reality. I think that's going to be a, a, you know, a pretty cool experience. Um, at the same time, the situation, you know, it's to be seen how well this device really takes off. Right, they're trying to get about a million units out the door for the first uh, you know year of sale, which obviously is minimal compared to what you see from an iPhone or a Mac or an iPad. So I think this is going to be a pretty long term thing, but I'm not really expecting this to be a smash hit out of the gate like the phone and the iPad was. You know, you talk about some really interesting things from from what I've read uh, in your stories. It appears that Apple's also taking this approach of no controllers at all. Right, we've seen the ability for something like the Oculus Quest to be able to detect your hands, and you can use it to a certain degree, uh, but not with every game. But Apple's really trying to take this, okay, high-fidelity screens, no controller approach, but also being able to use it with your own Mac or workstation. So really not kind of throwing out the idea that a controller is necessary, right? You know, based on what I'm hearing, the way that you would control this device are, is with hands and eyes combined. Uh, and then your other Apple devices. So for like keyboard input, like an iPhone, Mac, or an iPad, you can use it to extend your Mac display. So it's like a secondary monitor, but in VR. Uh, but the main use case, obviously, is that dual eye and hand control. So you look at something and then pinch your fingers uh, to access it, sort of like when you put your cursor over an item and mm -hmm. then you click it with the mouse or trackpad. It's sort of the point and click, but with your eyes and your fingers. So... I think it's going to be pretty nifty uh, from what I'm told. It doesn't work uh, terribly well in all <laughs> use cases and at all times, but there's still quite a ways away before this thing gets out the door. So I think they'll probably get it right by the time 1.0 is out. And interface-wise, is it going to be using like kind of something similar to iOS-ish type styling um, from what you've heard? From what I've heard, it looks uh, pretty on par with uh with iOS, right? It's like a 3D version of iOS. The uh, operating system should be called XROS. And it's basically like a virtual reality version. So what you'll see in the headset when you turn it on is, you know, the same home screen you would get like on an iPhone or an iPad. Uh, you'd be able to pin uh, widgets. So any of the same widgets you'd get on iOS uh, or iPadOS. And you'd have your app icons. There'll be a full app store on there as well. So there'll be sort of a developer kit that you'll be able to create your own apps with if you're a developer. Uh, so I definitely think they're trying to push this as 
you know, another piece of the larger pie of, of Apple devices, right? Just yet another Apple device you'll have in the larger Apple ecosystem. You know, in Apple's world, everyone owns an iPhone, an iPad, a Mac, yep. an Apple Watch, and now an Apple Reality. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how all the devices interact together. And we're starting to see the pieces about using your phone as the keyboard for the, mm. for the headset, using the headset as an external monitor for your Mac. And so also tying into like Apple services, like Apple Music, Apple News, Apple Podcasts, Apple TV Plus. So all very integrated. Now, for you personally, you know, with with using VR headsets, how, I'm just curious, you know, because for me, I can only last basically around like 20, 30 minutes in it until I'm like, okay, I got to take this off. Um, what, what's your personal experience and how do you think, you know, Apple's trying to hopefully crack that nut so you can wear these a little longer? My personal experience is that virtual reality has not been very good to me. Uh, I've uh, become very nauseous while using VR yeah. and I've even... Uh, vomited, you know, TMI. Oh my gosh. Um, after using VR. So for me, I've not had good experiences. Um, you know, some people have told me you can sort of play with the settings to improve the optics and the distance, right, from your pupils and such to make it better. Uh, but I'm fascinated to give this Apple device a try and see if it's better for me personally. I personally like uh, augmented reality more because when I've used uh, AR, I've used Google Glass, I've used other AR only. Uh, glasses in their early days, you know, I have not had an issue with those. And I, you know, quite frankly, think that is a much uh, better experience. But, you know, we shall see. And I, I really am looking forward to giving it a try. Uh, but I don't think this is a mainstream type of thing by by any means. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting, because when people have been trying to figure out what exactly Apple could do differently. And when I would throw out the idea of, you know, I don't Sure, there will be games and there will be developers that end up coming with games, but I feel like Apple's really positioning would, in order to differentiate themselves from the market, would position this as not only, you know, more leaning towards some of those augmented reality features, but really from an entertainment standpoint, you know, there were rumors and reports that John Favreau had been working with them and he obviously directed the Lion King in VR. And I, I can imagine, you know, Apple having their Apple TV Plus platform, if they can build some of these more immersive experiences and really from what all reports your reports and others have indicated leaning into this high fidelity vr display that we haven't necessarily seen yet in uh enough displays using like a high high res sony uh displays for viewing that it could be part of the their ecosystem is making it a very experiential type entertainment device as well have you heard that they are leaning that way or not necessarily I think one of the main use cases is going to be video consumption and video watching. The idea being you can kick back, put this headset on, and it doesn't have a battery in the headset itself. It's sort of an external battery. Mm. And what that will allow you to do is lean, lay back, right? Lay it on your head and, you know, and watch uh, video, right? Whereas on some of these other headsets, you have the battery pack behind your head. It would be very uncomfortable to watch video for two hours in that type of setup, right? So what they've done is they have offloaded the battery. And so I think video watching is going to be a very key part of that. There's an experience where you can sort of watch video from outer space or in a desert mm -hmm. or in a backyard or in a, uh, you know, a movie theater, right? Pick your different environment where you want to watch a movie in. And I think that's going to be a key use case. You know, the question is, is that worth $3,000? Mm -hmm. uh, they're certainly working to convert some of their TV Plus content. They're working with Disney, Dolby, um, different producers. You mentioned Favreau to try to get content lined up. 
uh, for the Apple headset. So I think the immersive experience, the 3D video watching mode is going to be a good one. You know, you also, when you talked about describing some of its functions, you talk about FaceTime. And I thought it was interesting because, right, it has cameras internally that can see your eyes. It has cameras that can, I guess, see your body and maybe they're wide enough so they're they might be pulling reference off of similar to Al, how Apple has their uh, use your iPhone as a camera. You can kind of see on that flat surface. So I'm assuming they're doing something similar to see your body. Do you know how much of their body, your body, they're really trying to show? Are they really trying to do a full body or at least like waist up? Because we always have this floating avatar head. We know that they have the Memoji stuff, but how much of this FaceTime experience are they really trying to lean into from what you know? They're trying to go full virtual reality version of you, right? So I think the idea is they're not trying to do a Memoji or an Animoji type of replica like you get on FaceTime on the iPad or your phone already. Um, what you get on, you know, Meta with Horizon Workrooms, that's sort of a more of a Memoji or Animoji mm-hmm. type of situation. This is about making a mirror image of you in virtual reality. So it's very advanced cameras, very advanced algorithms. And that's going to be for one-on-one calls because it's so advanced and so high-powered and requires a lot of processing performance in order to pull it off. You're not going to be able to do a FaceTime call with 10 people um, that has you all uh, in virtual reality. So would would we appear in virtual reality with the headset on our face then? You know, you know what I'm saying? Or are they trying to even eliminate that and show our eyes and things like that? Because our face will be covered, right? Our face will be covered. You should be able to see your eyes should be able to see your hands, uh, should be able to see your upper torso, should be able to see your legs. I don't know about feet. That sounds a little far-fetched. But definitely, (laughs) they'll be able to recreate you in virtual reality. And I think it's going to be incredibly cool. Uh, The question for me still is at $3,000, you know, is a uh, souped-up FaceTime, uh, you know, really going to drive people to the Apple store? You know, I I also think about, we've heard in the past reports that, oh, iPhones are going to be higher priced and Apple still end up selling them at the same price. Oh, these these this other hardware might be higher priced. Do you do you think that this $3000 number is being floated kind of as that large number so then when they announce it it'll actually be more like 2000 or are you leaning to the thought that it really is looking to be more like a 2500 to $3000 headset based on what you know? Uh, I think it's going to be 3000. I think that it's more likely to be more than 3000 mm. than significantly less than 3000 right? So I don't think it's going to cost more than $3,000. My point being is that it would be less surprising to me that if it's $3,500, then it would be $2,000. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So I'd, be, I'd be more surprised that it's 2000 than I'd be than if it's 3500 So he, here's the thing that, I, that I'm also thinking about is when you, when you look at all the information that you've kind of cobbled together, what do you think are really the three tent poles or a few of the tent poles that Apple's really rallying around to make this headset different, or at least the way that they're looking at this headset compared to the market, uh, whether it's feature-wise or how they want to approach it? So I think the three things would be, uh, number one would be uh, video calling, video conferencing, mm-hmm. so communication. Number two would be immersive video content and services consumption. Mm-hmm. And number three would be an extension of the Apple ecosystem combined with productivity. Mm. So getting a VRified, ARified version of your phone and your iPad and your Mac uh, combined with being able to get notifications and replacing some of the functions of your other Apple devices and it all working together. So I think they may position it as sort of the ultimate uh, 
the ultimate view or the VRified version of the Apple ecosystem yeah. uh, combined with productivity. I'm, I'm just so fascinated. You know, I think that, look, as a consumer, as a tech reviewer, obviously we're very curious. That $3,000 price point as a consumer is hard for me to to really be like, I'm ready. I'm ready to open my wallet. And so that's why I'm just so fascinated, like a lot of people are of what are they actually going to do? And, you know, you, you give us so much insight. So it, it's really interesting to as we get closer to this, is it is it reportedly springish time frame, but not not guaranteed, right? They'll announce it, I believe, before WWDC, and then they'll uh, discuss it more in depth at WWDC and sort of tell the developer part of the story, and you know release the SDK uh, or updates the SDK. I would imagine the SDK comes out before then, and then probably release it later in the fall. Um, at the same time. You know, I think that the million units that they're aiming for for year one, that sounds about right to me. Mm -hmm. I think that's as many as they're really going to sell given that price point. But they're also working on the follow-up product, which would be the cheaper version mm -hmm. uh, for within two years from now. And I think if they get that down to $1,500, which is the price of a high-end iPhone, I think that's when they start to move the needle. But still, I'm not entirely sold on the three use cases I mentioned mm -hmm. as being sort of the killer features that are going to drive people to this type of platform. I think people are perfectly comfortable with continuing to use an iPhone uh, and an iPad and a Mac, right? I mean, the Mac, or the iPad, I should say, was already a difficult sell, right? But that took off uh, mm -hmm. pretty massively, 15 million units sold in year one, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the iPhone obviously sold, you know, 10 million units in year two. I don't think we're going to be, you know, hitting those types of numbers uh, out of the gate like we did with the phone, with the iPad and the Apple Watch and, you know, the iPod 20 years before then. I think this is going to be pretty niche, uh, at least in the, in the first few years. So, you know, maybe long term, this is going to be a big deal for Apple and ultimately the replacement to the iPhone. Uh, but I think that this is going to go much more slowly uh, than you know, Apple's previous products. Well, you also make some interesting points because, right, we talked, we've talked about um, in, in the tech world about this idea of, okay, well, Apple's obviously working on that next generation $1,500 headset. And you had also reported that at least for now, which sounds like the smart decision, honestly, is Apple has at least, whether they've stopped or just put it on the shelf, this idea of a truly super slim, dedicated augmented reality glasses slash headset that's been put on the back burner so that Apple can make more of that consumer friendly uh, mixed reality AR VR headset. Is that is that right? That's right. But to be clear, well, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. I'll get into that. Yeah. But to be clear, I don't know if the follow up version, the cheaper one will be $1,500. Mm. Um, it's designed to be cheaper. But $1,500, I think is the sweet spot if mm -hmm. you're trying to compete more with meta and sort of get into that high end iPhone price price range it's very possible the follow-up model is two thousand dollars or twenty two hundred dollars which would still be a nice discount from the from the pro model mm -hmm. uh in terms of the situation with the ar glasses and the cheaper model and how those two come together they're focusing a lot of their attention on the cheaper model uh because the technology simply does not exist at this mm -hmm. point to do this is what you want. You want lightweight AR glasses that can do all the features of your phone, have Wi-Fi, cellular, Bluetooth, have your music controls, and last all day. Uh, that's impossible right now, mm -hmm. right? And so they're not going to do it until it's possible, and that's going to be at least five years, I think. And so they need something to drive people towards that category uh, until that time comes, and that's just by driving the price down. And what they're really going to need to do is they're going to need to come up with compelling use cases, mm -hmm. right? If $3,000 brought an extremely compelling use case 
right? I think more people would pay for it. But at this point, I'm not seeing uh, anything that, you know, blows my mind. You know, to me, the one way to obviously this is targeting a higher end user, the really, truly hardcore Apple fan with disposable income to even give it a try. And one of those use cases to me that would at least maybe sway some people is, okay. if you have AirPods Max and the Apple Reality Pro, we can replace your we can give you a, a home theater experience that you won't have to buy a, you know, $2,000 $2,000 surround sound system or a 90 inch TV to, to replace it. I mean, I think that if it was good enough, that would be maybe one of the compelling reasons to get someone to invest that much. That's thinking of that. Um, I that think you're has right. That disposable income, quite honestly. Yeah, I think you're right. And I definitely do see that as a use case, right? Like I said, with the immersive video, and then you put the AirPods Max on or the AirPods Pro on, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's going to be quite remarkable. And from what I'm told, that's you know one of the better features of the device is the video watching. It's just about getting the content situation sorted out. It's about the developer ecosystem. How quickly does this get built up? Is there going to be sort of a discount program or a rental program for developers or a distribution program to developers to sort of push them to develop after this platform? So I think the Apple headset is going to go as far as the uh, as the, the content and the use cases and sort of that killer app is. Yeah, you know, when you talked about, and it's we've seen it, what's really fun about going to CES is that you see companies and they're putting out, you know, you see little baby steps happen where we're now starting to see augmented reality glasses getting actually slimmer. Now their battery life is only around three hours but like tcl put out something that they said is coming out this year that was getting closer to that you know slim frame glasses and real air is getting closer to a slimmer frame glasses but these are things that didn't exist even three years ago that were that slim and so you know it is smart and we know apple does play the waiting game because they have the power of this ecosystem because they have the this user base that is willing to let let it ride knowing that okay you know even if we're two, three, four years later with a feature or a product, uh, we're going to still trust that Apple can pull it off and execute it within the ecosystem of products we have. You know, it it makes sense that they be, pull, you know, holding off on that. And it's just a matter of, like you said, when the tech is ready, they're going to jump into it. And I also look at this current iteration of their first-gen headset. It reminds me a lot, not exactly, but it reminds me of the Apple Watch of how when Apple put out that first Apple Watch, they they weren't really sure how people were going to use it. What were they focusing on? And then it slowly evolved. They changed the OS, I think, with uh, the Series 3 or Watch OS 4, which was then, okay, that was an OS that I felt like this feels like what I want from the Apple Watch. And then it, they really kind of geared more towards fitness and activity uh, as a layer on top of the Apple Watch instead of you know this whole idea of like you're going to do apps on your Apple Watch. People aren't really doing apps. They're doing companion apps that plug into their phone but not dedicated apps. And so I see this Apple headset taking a similar journey as the Apple Watch where it really took two, three years to fine tune it and nail down what consumers really wanted. And then it was able to take off and then price helped as well. I think you couldn't be more right. I think that's exactly what's going on here. Right. I think they definitely uh, are going to try to throw a few things at the wall and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. The Apple Watch, you know, when they first launched the Apple Watch, they said the three main uh, use cases for the watch was going to be um, communication. It was going to be the watch itself, the time, and those types of features. And they said it was going to be fitness. But that quickly shifted to 
uh, notifications mm-hmm. uh, and fitness is the two main use cases. And they sort of re-architected the OS. They moved away from glances. Remember when you would swipe yeah. up, you would get sort of your mini apps. They got rid of that. They moved away from the idea, like you said, that people were going to run you know apps on this thing. Uh, and what we see today is really notifications, complications, uh, and activity and fitness yeah. and health tracking is the third part. Probably the health and fitness and activity is you know number one there. The difference is, Brian, is that the Apple Watch was sub $500, <laughs> right? This is $3,000. So it's going to take much longer. And I think people, a lot of people were used to wearing watches. Uh, a lot of people are more familiar with watches. I think a watch is a much easier sell uh, than something you have to wear on your head. The other difference is here, a watch has all-day battery life or what they quote as all-day battery life. Okay, for all intents and purposes, you know, let's just be honest here. When you bought the Apple Watch, your original Apple Watch, you could wear it for the full day and charge it at night, right? Mm-hmm. There was no complication there. This Apple headset, you're going to have to swap batteries out and keep the battery in your pocket, right? And so there is a lot of groundbreaking technology that has created a lot of barriers to entry to this product that the Apple Watch simply didn't have. I mean, even the original iPhone, it was 500 bucks. People thought that was crazy at the outset, but <laughs> it sounds pretty reasonable today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the iPad also five hundred dollars at the outset, right? People thought that was pretty pretty damn good at the time, and uh, it's still amazing. I think they were able to get it down to that price point initially. So I definitely think that the the, the Apple headset is going up against many 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 more issues and complicating factors than any previous new major Apple product categories, and I think it's a risk. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. It's you know a lot of these things are hu- human human behavior, right? How do, how do we adopt these things? How do we how does it become more normal? Is has the MetaQuest helped you know bring on? No, it hasn't. Right? right? Has the, I, has it really I, broken through? No, I don't know. You know? No, the MetaQuest I think is the worst thing that could have happened to Apple because uh, Meta has failed at VR and AR so far. Right? Maybe one day they'll be extremely successful. But they have sort of clouded and muddied the waters with their attempt, right, and their mm-hmm. pricing and their marketing, right, and the whole, you know, privacy scandals that Facebook has had that mm-hmm. has, is going to be forever tied to any initiative they do. And I think Meta has become synonymous with the metaverse and mixed reality and AR and VR at this point. So I think, you know, Apple obviously is going to offer a very fresh uh, and different perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also don't think that they've done Apple any favors yeah, and also what's interesting is when the MetaQuest Pro, kind of their next evolution of their headset, came out. And yes, fine, it's catered more towards enterprise and business, but the actual physical hardware specs of the MetaQuest Pro, slightly better resolution. You know, it it didn't it when I saw that product come out, I was I said to myself, that act that product actually did Apple in favor from a standpoint of no no one is saying, Oh, this MetaQuest Pro is the VR headset to get. It's just like fifteen hundred. Okay, well now I'm willing to see what Apple will do at who knows three thousand, twenty five hundred. But it didn't. It didn't bring this new surge of energy where everyone's like, oh, okay, we're ready for the next generation of VR and XR or AR. They, it didn't move the needle at all, quite honestly. Well, the problem is, I think the MetaQuest is so awful that it's really. Do you really you know, dislike it that much? I like it. I don't dislike. Okay, I'm talking about the Quest Pro. Yeah, I think Quest, Quest it, Pro is trash. <laughs> it, I, the, I have a Quest 2, and I think it's yeah. an excellent product. Yeah, Quest 2 is great. Especially for its price point. Uh, but I think the Quest 
Pro, fine. It did it from one perspective, your perspective is it did Apple a favor by being so bad <laughs> that it sort of opens the window for Apple to do something uh, incredible compared to what Meta has been able to pull mm-hmm. off. But at the same time, I think it's so bad that it's created a lot of disinterest and disbelief mm. in the category, right? Mm-hmm. If you think about it, the phone, the iPhone reinvented the phone. I hate yeah. to use Apple marketing jargon, but it's not a lie. <laughs> it's true, it's true. In this case, it's true. And I think that the phone was never going away. The phone was always going to improve and become a key part. There was no question of the phone as a product category. That was not an issue. I think there was no question of the iPad as a product category. Everyone always knew that computers were sort of going to transition into touchscreen tablets and whatnot. So I think that the tablet category was always a lock to take off. Uh, the question was who was going to do it. So I think that you know Apple went into a market that always was going to be a safe. Uh, MP3 players, music players, the Walkman, proven category. I mm-hmm. think there, the music category was so proven. Apple just made uh, a better, you know, much better mousetrap, obviously, that was a game changer. Now, the Apple Watch, not as proven, but everyone knew that you were eventually going to want to wear something on your wrist, whether that's a fitness tracker, right? Fitbit and others had proved the ability to sell people on wrist-worn devices. And obviously watches, hundreds of millions of people wear watches, whether they're mechanical or smart, right? The VR headset, that is a tougher sell, Mm. right? I don't think the category, I think Apple's moving, for the first time, Apple's moving, Apple's new product category is an unproven category. Mm. Yeah, that the, I, the whole how you laid it out there, 100, 100% agree. I mean, this is, in all intents and purposes, this is the riskiest move they've arguably made from a product standpoint that we've seen. It's extremely risky. Right. They're risking, they're going to risk their reputation on this one. And, you know, I think... It is uh, it is the direction that things are going. At least here, here's the interesting thing, right? When you go to CES and you talk to people that are there, everyone would say like, "I'm curious about the metaverse," but no one can really define it, right? It's people still, whether they're in the industry, they're whether they're actually creating the product themselves or creating products for it, no one has been able to nail down exactly what this obtuse, you know word metaverse really means it means different things to different people to different companies and typically like to your point there have been established markets with established trends and apple disrupted them by bringing their own take of a product for proven markets this is still this is not even an unproven market this is a market that has to figure itself out and so you know if apple can crack that nut and they, they have shown that they have the savvy and the ability to do things like that then it'll be a huge success but we, there's no way anyone can say right now today, like Apple is definitely going to nail this. We just really don't know. Even there's when they no come out with the first know. product, right? There's no way to know. Yeah. There's no way to know. This would be Apple needing to create a market, whereas every previous category they've entered into an existing market. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mark, oh my gosh. Oh, one thing before we, we leave, you know, people are probably wondering because you mentioned a few times. Um, is, so you're saying that this headset would have like a, like a battery pack, like a cable that goes down the backside and tucks in your pocket or something like that? I believe so, yeah. Mm, that, that, that'll that be, I mean, I guess it depends on the value of how much that battery gives you and how awkward it is or not awkward, right? Like it'll be a tethered battery. It'll be a tethered battery, but I really don't think it's that big of a deal. 
Well, we will we we will see, Serb. So um, you know what? I wanted to say thank you so much for your time and your insight. My pleasure. Um, of course, Mark. Can you tell everyone where they can find your stuff and also about the newsletter and every sure. everything? Bloomberg.com slash power on to get my weekly column. Uh, Twitter.com slash Mark Gurman. And you can follow me in both of those places and get live updates. More stories coming. Don't oh. you worry. <laughs> it's a, I believe, is it every Sunday you drop the, drop a new report or a new kind of wrap up of what's uh, going on? Yeah, power on column every Sunday, Sunday morning. There you go. See, I want people to know. Thank you. I really appreciate it. They, they got to know. All right, Mark. Hey, we will talk to you soon. We'll see you soon. Thanks so much, buddy. Be well, man. All right, so there you go. Really, everything that we know, have heard, and I feel like 99% of the reporting on that Apple Reality Pro headset has really come from Mark, and he has a lot of the insight that people just haven't put out there. So it's an exciting time. Like I said, when I talked to him, I'm not thrilled about the rumblings of the price, but I am really intrigued by what they're going to do. I mean, I keep on saying that every time we talk about it because will it be enough? I mean, will what we talked about be enough for you to give the Apple Reality Pro headset a try? I don't know. We'll wait to find out and see, right? All right, everybody, that is going to do it for this week's show. First of all, big thanks to our Patreon supporters at the $100 Platinum Apple level. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Michael Gigliotti, Atari Koenigsegg, and Glenn Canellis. Thank you so much for your support, and thank you to all of you who continue to support this show this podcast, and all my content. I say thanks every week, and I continue to say thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Plenty of more news, plenty of things happening around the Apple world. So we'll be back here. You know what it is. Same bad time, same bad channel. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.